Make It Right, the Manufacturing Podcast. About this time last year, we began to feel the shock waves of COVID-19. And depending on where you were in the world, there were either just ripples or already waves. Suddenly, the shortcomings of our businesses were becoming very clear, and there was little or no time to react. It's been about 12 months now, and businesses are adjusting and looking for ways to better prepare for possible next times. This week on the Make It Right podcast, Kevin Snook and I are joined by James Crean. He is the president of Crean Inc., a company that's focused on helping factories become more competitive by getting smart. And that doesn't always mean tech heavy. So uh, I'd like to uh, welcome you to the show, James. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Janet. Great to be here. Appreciate it. So you're also the CTO at Crean, and I should have let people know that. And I wanted to introduce you to my colleague, Kevin Snook, too. So uh, we're going to have a great conversation. So thanks for being here. Absolutely. Look forward to it. So let's talk, first of all, about the type of manufacturers that Crean actually helps with their smart manufacturing approach. Who do you actually work with? What type of manufacturing? So our focus is uh, complex manufacturing. And by complex, we... uh, um, uh, mean discrete manufacturers who have uh, either very complex products that they're developing and producing or um, high mix production environments. And, and so that might be an environment where you have uh, many different SKUs that you're producing out of the same production uh, facility and you have a high mix of, of different parts. Or in some cases, we work with, uh, with clients that have 100% or near 100% custom parts that are coming through made to order. And they're trying to produce that. It can create a lot of variability and complexity in that production environment. And uh, those are the, those complex environments are where we thrive. Okay, so I think right off the top, in my mind, when we say smart, like I think of your smartphone and you think of smart this and smart that. And so I always think very tech heavy. But when we initially talked about doing this podcast, you told me about a smart technology that ended up just being kind of like um, recipe cards or something, right? So in your type of manufacturing, smart doesn't always mean a huge investment in technology. So just define that for me. You bet. Uh, We look at at, uh, manufacturing environment from the perspective of people, process, and technology. Right, so um, where a lot of people think of smart factory as, as, as you say, focused on technology, uh, we start with the people and, uh, and, and really we start with the leadership and we make sure that we understand what their goals and, are and, and the strategy of the company. And, uh, and then we work directly with every level of, uh, of, the, uh, uh, of the organization from operator to supervisor to uh, management to uh, the CEO to make sure that that uh, we understand the uh, capabilities of the people and 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 make sure that that we integrate the folks that are that are doing that work into the whole process of improvement of that manufacturing environment. Um, so that's the the people part, the process part of course, is critically important. And what a lot of people don't realize is that if you implement technology into a production environment, you're changing the process, right? So if you, if you use a, uh, uh, 
you know, a quality, you know, something to do uh, quality inspections and automate quality inspections. You've changed the process. You've changed potentially where, where there are choke points in that production environment. Um, there's, there's numerous ways that technology changes the process. So you need to understand the process first before you start implementing technology. And oftentimes what we find when we do our deep dives into the process analysis, we find there's, there's great opportunities for process improvement that we implement first. And then the last thing we do is we layer in the technology. Because now that we understand the process, we understand the people, now we can understand how and what technology are best going to serve that environment. And we're technology agnostic. We do have some stuff that we've developed internally just because we needed, we had clients that needed it, but we, uh, and we, didn't, we didn't find a partner that could provide it. So we're not trying to sell a technology solution. We're trying to sell a people process and technology solution for our customers that says, all right, this is what's gonna give you the benefits that you're looking for. And, uh, and the smart factor benefits are significant. Okay, so um, let's actually, well, let's lead off from there. What are the benefits of, of the smart factory technology? Tell me what, what can be gained by going down this path? Oh, so um, this is, it's very important. It's very important for manufacturers to understand what's possible um, because um, Using, uh, using this uh, people process and technology combination to, to improve your smart factory uh, operations, the, the productivity gains that we see can be anywhere from, from doubling to tripling or almost uh, quadrupling in, uh, in many cases. And it can happen very quickly. And so uh, it's important for companies to understand that this is a huge opportunity for them. And at the same time, it's also a huge risk because if their competitor gets there first, then they're having to play catch up and that's a difficult place to be in, right? So, um, but it's a, it's a great opportunity. And so uh, focusing in on, on getting the right smart factory implementations in place can really be a huge benefit. Okay, so I'm thinking about when COVID-19 came. I mean, what did you learn, James, from uh, prior to COVID, going through COVID to where we are now about what factories really need and what they're missing in their processes where, where something like a smart technology approach would help them? Well, there were three, three takeaways that I would say really came out of, um, out of COVID uh, in my mind. Um, the first one is the importance of flexibility. Um, you know, this was a, just a huge impact on so many companies, supply chains, you know, uh, the primary business uh, or secondary businesses uh, of numerous companies out there. And, um, and so it was the survival of the company uh, in many ways depended on how flexible they were and the ability to to uh, pivot perhaps from making a product that, that where the demand dropped to a product where maybe the demand spiked. And the companies that were able to do that were incredibly successful. Um, and the companies that weren't able to do that were, you know, were really challenged. And so flexibility uh, is, is incredibly important. And that's one of the, the beautiful things about 
the smart factory approach that focuses on, on high variability production environments is that what we're doing is helping companies to adopt methodologies that allow them to increase and, and thrive in that uh, environment where there's a lot of variability, which allows for a lot of flexibility in adapting to the market. Um, the second thing is obviously uh, supply chain is critically important mm -hmm. and partnering with uh, suppliers uh, is, is a key success factor. Um, and that, that supplier risk has to be managed and the suppliers themselves are suffering from exactly the same issue of flexibility. They may be your supplier for one product, but their primary product is in a market that just got hammered, right? And now they're struggling and they may not be able to, uh, to survive and produce for you the way you expected them to and they have in the past. And so understanding your suppliers becomes very important. And actually um, that sort of leads to the third thing, which is producing more locally. Um, we found of course that as companies were struggling to get some of the key things that the country needed in order to deal with COVID, a lot of the supply chain the producers and the supply chain were overseas. So the more that we can move that production closer to home, and do it efficiently and effectively so that we're, we're not, not uh, trading off cost uh, versus uh, local production. It's a huge benefit to, to both our, our companies here in North America and, our, uh, uh, and, and the ability to be able to, to be flexible and, and adapt to what's happening. So, um, so moving that supply chain local uh, can really help you because now there, it's it's uh, it's even that much easier to uh, to produce uh, and to to collaborate and deal with the issues that that multiple companies in your supply chain may be dealing with, and you can work on those together and come up with solutions together. Mm -hmm. Kevin, I actually want to ask you um, from your standpoint over in Asia, is there a lot of talk about bringing things more localized? Yes, in both ways. And so, you know, China itself is looking to be very self-independent and uh, developing a lot of technologies within China in order to be able to be com almost completely independent from the rest of the world. And I think uh, other countries are also looking at the same thing. And um, as James has said, COVID's just accelerated that. I think people are realizing that there are risks out there that we kind of, uh, I'm not saying we've ignored them before, but over a period of, of a long period of stability, we've got very used to building those risks into the supply chain and, and, and kind of, yeah, got comfortable with the risks. And, mm -hmm. and now I think this, this pandemic has thrown at that, all that up in the air and, uh, and people are a lot more concerned around what happens if now. And the contingency plans are starting to look a lot more at onshoring. And, you know, we had Harry Moser on here a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. talking about onshoring and, and how the importance of that. And uh, I think it, it's going to become, it, it's going to become a more and more pertinent topic it doesn't mean that everybody is going to onshore and that it's right for everyone to do that, but it is right to have that conversation. 
Mm -hmm. Well, did the pendulum not swing from one way over to the other way? So we were very localized and then we swung way over to globalization mm -hmm. and then we're swinging back over to localized. Somewhere in the center is where the answer is. Well, this is me <laughs> sitting here as, as a podcaster, but that would seem to me to be the right answer. You've got to have both, right? And I'll throw that one out to you, James. You're, you're seeing people you know, making all kinds of different things in one factory. They must have various different supply chains. They have to be partly local, partly global when they're looking for stuff, right? Uh, I mean, I, I think it depends, like, uh, like Kevin said, it depends on, uh, on the business and, uh, and what makes sense for that particular business. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it goes back and forth and, and there are advantages to, uh, to having that global supply chain, particularly if you have a global customer base too, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's, it really depends on the business uh, and, and what's the right strategy. But as Kevin mentioned, you have to think about that in a much different way today. Uh, and it's, it's become very clear that you have to think about that, right? So, uh, so it's, a, it's a strategy called by the company, right? But uh, having everything overseas can be uh, too risky, having everything local may be too risky as well. And so that's the assessment that, uh, that every management team needs to make and, and understand for their particular market. The, James, the, 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 sorry, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, no, please do, go ahead. Um, I was just gonna say, you've, you've been running your company for quite a while now and um, over the kind of like the last 20 years, what the, the things that you mentioned at the beginning around people and process and technology, out of those three, which ones have you seen change the most over those tw those last twenty years? Well, it's a great question. Um, yeah, we've we've been in business since two thousand two, and and uh, you know, of course, back in those days, um, you know, we I I came from Hughes Space and Communications, and and we. We were a Six Sigma company, right? And uh, in the in the '90s, and that you were either a Jack Welsh Welsh follower, and you were a Six Sigma company, or you were a Toyota Production System follower, and you were a Lean company, and uh, you were really either one or the other. Um, I stood up the the Lean group uh, at Hughes, and we were a Six Sigma company, and we combined Lean and Six Sigma together, and it was. Uh, <clears throat> It was uh, it was an interesting times to to be doing that. Should have written a book back then, but um, <laughs> but but I didn't. And uh, so we um, what we've seen is that that evolution of oh, okay now you can do lean six sigma together, which is more process focused, and and that what we've developed over the last twenty years is a focus on on evolving lean and six sigma. So on the process side. Um, at Crean, we focused on that discrete manufacturing environment where you have you you don't have the predictability of what your what your customer necessarily is going to order, and if you want to try and deliver on short cycle times, uh, you know we're working with a building a building products manufacturer that forty percent of what they produce is custom, and the rest of what they produce is one of any of thousands of SKUs that they have. And so that order comes in, they have no idea, they can't do that sort of level loading stability planning that is sort of traditional in the lean um, pr 
production environment, they have to be able to react very quickly to a wide variety of product. Um, how do you deal with that variability and, and manage that in a way that you still can deliver that foundational lean uh, um, um, trait that you have to go after, which is stability in that production environment, right? So, so what we focus on is high variability and yet still delivering stability. And that gives you that flexibility uh, that I talked about earlier. Um, and, and there's many other aspects to that process improvement and process focus that, that go into that and how you use, uh, you know, some, some foundational elements out of Lean and Six Sigma in order to support that but you have to grow beyond that. Lean and Six Sigma are not sufficient in, in, in that high mix, um, complex production environment. And so, so from a process perspective, we've, we've spent a lot of time and effort uh, and a lot of R&D dollars in developing methodologies, tools, and techniques that evolve the process um, uh, improvement part of that aspect of things that go beyond Lean and Six Sigma. Uh, I need to get around to writing the book on that, but we're um, <laughs> our team that we have a, an amazing team of people and we do all this together as a team and we focus on how, how do we improve each time we, we work with a client. Um, but obviously technology from a change perspective is also, you know, obviously, you know, continuously evolving. And so with uh, the industrial internet of things and all the sensors and methods that uh, that can be implemented around around that the software the integration uh, there's just a there's a continuous evolution of technology and so um, you know you have to keep up with that right and uh, and you have to cut through the cut the, the the wheat from the chaff if you will right make sure that what you're implementing is going to work properly make sure that uh, it's the right technology for your production environment and understand how does that technology fit into your process and what are the changes that need to happen with your people in order to be able to implement that technology and use it effectively. Um, one thing that we do is we focus on simplicity, right? Technology should deliver simplicity to the operator, to the, to the supervisor, to the CFO, right? Clarity and simplicity, it shouldn't be delivering complexity. Anybody can deliver a complex solution. It's the simplicity that is really golden. Yeah, I, I love that point. And especially when we're talking at the operator level, we really need to make sure the right information is in the right hands to make a good decision quickly, not just an overwhelm of, uh, of or an overload of data coming through to people. Um, one of the things that you said, and you, by the way, your, your process follows very much kind of like my career process. I went from... <laughs> Procter and Gamble, where we were, you know, very high qu uh, quantity production, um, right. continuous production. Then I moved to a uh, printing company where we were very much making like the discrete manufacturing side. We were making very much job lots. And, uh, and the change for me moving from one type of production to another was, was huge. And then the technologies that we had to look at through there. Um, so I've, I've been through that and now I, I tend to look more at the continuous processes again. But mm -hmm. as, I, uh, as I've been through that, the leadership teams that I'm working with have two kind of, uh, a, there's two negative approaches to technology that I see. One of them is like a skepticism 
Like, is this really going to work? And do I really have to spend a million dollars on this? And et cetera, et cetera. And the other one is just this sense of overwhelm. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't understand the technology. Things are moving so fast. I don't want to do it now and then be behind the curve. With the leadership teams, how do you, how do you approach those two things, either the skepticism or the sense of overwhelm? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it is, and it is a, a real issue. And it's what, it's what keeps people from moving forward. Um, so we do a, a few things. First of all, we start with the process. And so it's, you know, it's more comfortable, <clears throat> I think, for leadership to say, well, let's make sure we truly understand what's going on and understand how we can improve the process. So that's a start. But the, the key is, is making sure that the technology fits the problem that you're trying to solve and and that you're set up to be able to manage that technology appropriately right and so um uh, you know honestly when we start with people and process the the technology piece starts to become more comfortable because we can start talking about all right so here within the process is where technology can help you and we can be very specific about Here's a roadmap. Let's start with something that's clearly going to give you a benefit right out of the right out of the gate, and we can demonstrate it, and we can get the the whole team from from operator down to the you know up to the CEO, or down to the CEO, whichever way uh, you want to look at it, um, comfortable with how that all is going to work, right? And how does that change the way that they do business, and and then you. You bring that in where it makes sense and take it a step at a time. Um, you know, uh, most of our clients uh, do proof of concepts. Uh, that really helps. It helps to, to make sure that the match is good and it helps to make sure that the people understand how to use the technology before you roll it out and what the training program is. Another key part of, of the people piece of this is you have to have a good training program in place. You know, it's so, yeah, I mean, I think those are the key things to to success is is picking the right technologies. Uh, I can give you some examples, um, but yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to hear some. But I think that's the part with the fact that you are agnostic to technology and what you're really doing is trying to find a solution that works for the individuals mm -hmm. and then start small and roll it out. You're building the confidence and you're building that uh, that the technical capability to use the technology at the same time mm -hmm. that you're you're moving forward with them. And, and so, like you said, that ties really much into really into the, the people part of it, where Absolutely. we have to be upskilling our individuals to be able to make the most use of the of the technology, right? Absolutely. And and again it goes back to what I said before is picking technologies that implement simplicity for you. Right. So, you know, we we um, we get uh, sort of hung up sometimes on how technology is going to impact the factory floor. Uh, <clears throat> and a lot of people worry that technology is going to eliminate people. Uh, I have the opposite view. I actually, from past experience, all of the efficiency improvements and, and uh, uh, technology improvements in the past have led to more people uh, being involved because you can now do things that are more complex, you can do them more efficiently and effectively, and so demand increases, and you're, and you're going to be more effective. And 
And so, so it's, it's, it's finding technologies that deliver simplicity for people, allows them to be more productive and for your company to be more successful. If you implement technologies that are incredibly complex, then all you're doing is wasting time, going back to that lean principle of you know, eliminating waste. Well, if people are struggling with the technology, that's just non-value added work, right? And so simplicity is, is key. And you know, I'll give you an example of technology implementation that we did for a company. We, we had a company that they were a space products company. They were producing 18 units a day, uh, all custom, 95% custom. Uh, they had a team of about 100 people that were all working 60-hour weeks, and they were just burnt out, right? And they, they, they couldn't take things to the next level. And so we went in, we analyzed, you know, went through our process, people, process, and technology, analyzed their process, and, and developed a solution for them that implemented a, a, a you know, technology that was going to be very effective for them, okay? And this goes back to a comment that Janet made. The technology, it wasn't a recipe card, but it was actually a-, a um, Index uh, card. An index, an index yeah. card, yes, thank you, with a number on it. Now, so now all that was doing is, was conveying the uh, priorities for everybody in the factory. So everything in that factory had a number on it. Now the key was, you know, the key to the technology piece of it was getting the right number on the right, the right <laughs> item throughout that factory. But, um, but that along with other um, things and, and other non-technology related implementations that we did, took them from producing um, 18 units a day to producing 44 units a day. And from 100 people working um, 60 hours a week to only two people working 60 hours a week. And so the productivity gains were enormous. And, you know, and, and it was about implementing the right technology with the, you know, there's, you know, systems in the background, but for the operator, it was just, I, I, I need to be able to read a number. And, and that was the simplicity of that particular implementation. And so, so we have to be really focused on making sure that the technology we implement is focused on the people and it's making them more effective and it's not bogging them down trying to figure out how do I use this system, so. And that, that all goes down to um, the, the goal of the smart system is just efficiency. And, you know, you, you mentioned waste earlier, James, and, you know, we think about waste of our supplies and things like that. But if you have people that are staring at the technology because they don't understand it, that's a waste of their time, right? That's why they're working the 40 hours a week and stuff, because they don't know what to do next, right? So this all comes down to efficiencies. Yeah, ultimately it does, right? And I mean, of course, that's the thing that manufacturers have, have always looked for, you know, for, you know, going back to, to producing the, you know, wheels of stone, I'm sure, um, you know, is how do I do this as efficiently as possible? And, and the smart factory uh, approach, and, and for us, we don't just call it smart factory technology, but smart factory approach, because it's people process and technology combined. Um, has a huge, huge opportunity. I mean, 
where lean made a big difference, uh, you know, back in the day and, and that um, smart factory is, is critical to the future. And, um, and, and it's, um, it's important to find ways to get started and, uh, and find ways to start putting, uh, you know, those smart systems in place within your business and, uh, and look at where those opportunities are because either you're gonna do it or your competitors are gonna do it. And it's, I guarantee it, <laughs> it's, that is the future, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's always the, the conundrum of every business, business owner is how do I stay in front of my competition? And, and I just, I wanna emphasize how important it is to look at how smart factory systems are going to help you to stay in front of your competition. So um, it's uh, it's not just about trying to implement Lean and Six Sigma anymore. It's uh, it's a combination of of the technologies. Lean and Six Sigma are foundational, but you have to combine that with technology in a way that um, you know that's that's evolving every day. Mm -hmm. Kevin, you had a question there. Yeah. Do you feel like it, it's difficult for uh, companies to know what they don't know? Right. It's, it's uh, we talk about sort of evolving into a smart factory. But if you've never really had the exposure to a lot of different places, if you're not quite sure around what technology is out there at the moment, it's difficult to know what you don't know. And and that's where it's a lot more important to have these discussions with people who have seen different things and, and can bring a different viewpoint to the table. Yeah, no, you, you couldn't be more right. Um, we actually got, you know, into smart factory technology because we were struggling in uh, convincing management teams that we could improve their process. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it, we, we have, uh, we have a couple guys on our team that are pretty amazing at walking a factory floor, right? And, you know, we can walk a factory floor and, and see stuff that, that that team doesn't the management team doesn't see because it's kind of like boiling a frog right the, the pot keeps getting hotter and hotter and the frog doesn't realize that uh, he needs to jump out because uh, and eventually that you know the frog's been boiled and so um so you don't see what you don't you know what you what you don't recognize in that environment as things continue to change and, and so um so it's 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 both process, it's people sometimes, it's process and it's technology of what you don't know. And I mean, we use outside consultants in, in our business to help us figure out what are, what are we you know, not doing or, you know, and that so that we can learn from people that, you know, that, that are looking at multiple businesses in, in marketing or whatever it is that we're trying to improve in our particular company. Um, and the advantage of bringing in somebody from the outside is uh, they, you know, I mean, we're working with clients every day in all kinds of various different industries. We're, we're seeing things that, uh, that somebody, you know, oftentimes will go into an organization and the chief operating officer is like, well, what are these guys going to teach us? I've been in this business for 20 years, right? Well, well, part of the challenge is that you've been in this business for 20 years, right? And that's the business that you know, and you know it really well. And we're not trying to go in there and change the way that you produce something. We're trying to change the way that maybe how, 
how the systems work together in order to produce those things more efficiently. We're not going to become experts in, you know, creating building products for you, but we are experts in how to do that efficiently. And there's a, there's a difference and it's hard to communicate that. And so, yeah, so it's, it's from a process perspective, as well as a technology perspective, staying up on the things that are going to make the biggest difference for you. Uh, and, and, and it's a continuous challenge for, for companies to be able to understand what's out there and what are the things that are delivering real value, right? Um, so there, there's, I always like to give the example of, of you know, a, a company that decides, well, I want to uh, use technology to improve the efficiency of this machine, right? Seems like that's a good idea because I can pull data off that machine and I can make that machine more efficient. And that's probably true, right? And you can spend a whole bunch of time and effort improving the efficiency of that machine. But if that machine is never a bottleneck for your operations, you'll never see an improvement in your bottom line. You'll just see the cost of, of analyzing the data off of that machine, right? And so, you know, that's why it's so important to look at the process and say, well, where am I going to actually get a return on investment? and find that that opportunity what technology should i bring to the product to the to the process and to the people in order to be able to deliver that return on investment which is ultimately the goal for any business mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kevin do you have any more questions because we're out of time almost out of time but did you have anything <laughs> else you wanted to ask james Oh, I think we're just getting back another time and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll yeah. keep probing with a lot of different <laughs> things later on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That sounds great. Um, so uh, we always like to, to end our conversations, James, with a couple of key takeaways from the guests. So you shared some really good stories here. What about some key takeaways for people who are, you know, I've just sort of thought about this conversation. What would you leave them with? Well, don't focus just on the technology. That's that's very important. It's it's about your people and it's about the process and it's about the technology all working as a system. And so, uh, so make sure that whatever plans you put in place and your strategy for improving your your operations, you focus on all three, so that you uh, you have a successful implementation. And, and focus on simplicity. Um, you know, it's uh, it's really uh, important. And it's not just for the for the folks on the floor. Uh, you need simplicity for everybody in the entire operation. You know that ultimately the technology that you have, the processes that you have, should make things simpler. And the simpler they are, the more efficient you're going to. Each of those people are going to be able to do. They they, they can adopt things quickly and uh, and implement change quicker. Focus on simplicity. Focus on the people. Focus on the process, and then focus on the technology. That would be my my most uh, important advice for anybody who's looking for ways to implement smart factory transformations in their organization. Okay, James, thank you so much. We'd love to have you on again. Uh, good luck with your continued success with Crean, uh, and we will speak to you again. Great. Look forward to talking again. Great. Thank you very much for your time today. Cheers, James. You're very welcome. James Crean is the president and CTO of Crean Inc. It's a company that's focused on helping factories become more competitive by getting smart. Thanks also to my colleague, Kevin Snook, who is a leadership advisor for the manufacturing sector. He's also the author of the best-selling book, Make It Right, 
five steps to align your manufacturing business from the front line to the bottom line. You can find Make It Right on Twitter and LinkedIn, and you can also subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. I'm Janet Eastman. Until next time, thanks for listening to Make It Right. Make It Right, the manufacturing podcast.